What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Small World Business Podcast. My name is Justin Colzo. I am here with my co-host. Dan Poku. It's the small world, and business connects us all. So buckle up, and let's grow together. All right, guys, what's going on? Uh, wanted to start today, episode seven? Seven, yeah, back again. Back, back again. again. They're actually back in person this time. We're not on Google Teams. <laughs> that was an adventure for sure. That was. That was the first time doing that. We had some audio issues like we always do. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> as, as usual. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to start today with some thank yous. Uh, first and foremost, thank you to the two guests that we had so far, mm. Charles Rumpf and uh, Dan's cousin Gabby as well. Yep. You guys have been absolutely fantastic gabby was really i don't want to say a last second substitution because we definitely meant to have her on at some point um but she kind of got thrown in the fire with very little notice and i thought that it was one of the best conversations that we have had not only just between you and me but Mm. like point blank period i I loved it right and i got caught up like taking notes doing like talking to her because i was like wow yeah this is something definitely worth writing down so it was like you know you kind of lose you know touch of the conversation but it was very insightful very you know, good information there. There was a point in there that I, I mean, I even had to like apologize because I kept looking down at my notebook to, <laughs> to, to keep writing notes. I think, I mean, this is my personal opinion. I think the biggest thing that I took away from the conversation with Gabby, and granted, I can't really relate to it by any means, is when you at the very end asked her, you know, if the fact that she was young or the fact that she was a woman or the fact that she was a black woman mm-hmm. had any impact on her success. And she kind of chuckled, and she goes, you know, I'm an anomaly, but I don't really give a shit. Right. And she's like, yeah, sure, I'm young, and I'm a woman, and I'm, and I'm black, but at the end of the day, I'm smart. I know what the hell I'm talking about. Exactly. So either you're on the right team or you're on the wrong team. Right. Crush and, it. And to me, that's about, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm a white man. I'm literally quite op- the exact <laughs> opposite of Gabby. <laughs> but to me, it spoke volumes. That it's like you could have every reason in the book to just throw the towel in and say, you know what? This isn't for me. Mm-hmm. But when you really kind of just put your nose down and go, people are going to see it and they're going to respect it and they're going to roll with it. And I think that that's what not only business, but life is all about. And I learned a lot from that part of the conversation in particular. Okay. Okay. Yeah. For me, it was like, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's crazy how like the importance of, you know, staying true to your morals and values are starting to resonate between like Charles and Gabby touched on it too. And it's something we touched on a lot too. So it was like, um, putting ourselves in positions with people that think like like us. <laughs> if, if I said think like us, yeah, definitely, you know, starting to speak volumes to me because I'm like, wow, that's like the second person I said, like their morals and values kind of like got them where they wanted to be and why they started their business. So, um, And it's also why they grow. I mean, it's mm-hmm. why Charles has been able to open, you know, multiple restaurants. It's why Gabby's been able to sign on almost Most more clients, more yeah. clients and companies than she can handle on her own yeah it's it's why you grow when you have those values and you stick to them people right. respect it and they can buy into it right they'll always chase the money too is like one thing she said which is very true because if you get caught up in chasing you know the money you lose sight of you know your original intention for your business or whatever venture you started out with one thing that i've always loved is the saying that people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and I'm a firm believer in that. And I think that both Gabby and Charles are great examples of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so I really did just kind of want to start today's episode with the thank you, not only to them, but also to you guys, our listeners. 
I uh, looked at some numbers today, and I haven't even told this to Dan yet, but we are averaging just shy of 40 listeners an episode, Okay. which being six episodes into our first podcast, screwing up the audio every other episode, <laughs> I throw my notebook halfway across the room most of the time. I could not, and I think I speak for both of us, that Definitely. we could not be more grateful for the people that listen to this, mm-hmm. provide us feedback, follow the social medias, everything. Yeah, it's funny because my, my niece actually told me that she listens to it. I was like what like <laughs> that was like the last person i thought would be listening to it so when she told me that i was like man it's like puts a lot into her perspective of why we're doing it why we started to do it you know so yeah like justin said thanks a lot to everyone listening everyone giving us feedback is very much appreciated and, and honestly please share it i mean subscribe yeah. give us ratings it doesn't have to be five stars <laughs> leave co- comments captions whatever you can just tell me that the sky is blue i'll say thank you the sky is blue you're correct right. just if you guys like this, this podcast, you like episodes, make sure you give us ratings and subscribe and share it with your friends. It would really mean a lot to us. So Definitely. thank you not only to the guests that we've had and will have in the future, but also to every single listener that we've got out there. You guys are, uh, I would say, about three quarters of the reason that we do this is to yep. just share the conversations that we've had. Right. Well, the other quarter is selfishly to continue having these conversations. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like <laughs> our way of kind of like staying in, in touch too. So it's therapy almost. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. I enjoy it every week. Like I always say, now that we're kind of through the recaps of the last couple of weeks, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of today's <laughs> I, episode. I love it. Starting this one with some news. And I, and I don't really think news is the right word, but I dropped my notebook, by the way. It it was going to happen. Anyways, I digress. Starting today uh, with the topic of life change. Our two topics today are very intertwined. And the first one they're going to talk about is life change. For me in particular, I'm at a very special point in my life where there is a lot of life change almost constantly going on. Um, My girlfriend and I just signed a lease to move into a new house. That is about the exact opposite direction of where I live right now. (laughs) But... Very excited. That gives me the opportunity to have my own office. She gets her own office. It's a four-bedroom house that I never thought I would get at 22 years old. And it gives my dog plenty of room to run around, her cat. So we're very excited about that. We move in in about a week. That's awesome. Besides that, I started my new job this week. I started with Fisher Investments as an account executive doing uh, the sales side of financial planning. And while I haven't done the job yet, I mean, it's it's there's a lot of training that goes into it i love it i love every second of it i love the people that i work with and i love the mentorship that i've been able to receive through it and the training is solid it's just all around was the right decision for me and i could not be more grateful for that choice so cheers to that change as well besides that i was just telling dan that a couple days ago i had to take my dog to the emergency vet because she decided to have some uh we'll say defecation issues okay so i had to take her to the emergency vet at 9 p.m and for them to tell me that my dog is for lack of better terminology shitting blood because she's allergic to her food i spent 300 dollars for them to tell me my dog's allergic to lamb it's normally how it works when you go to the vet oh yeah <laughs> so lots of lots of change there new food trying to get her readapted to being an, a normal animal again so how do um, you uh cope with all that or deal with all the change going on i keep rolling i mean honestly just kind of and it's like i told gabby i'm kind of one of those people that i, I have a, sometimes i struggle to take a step back yeah i joined a new gym which is kind of relevant but not really still it, a change. it is still a change and it, what it really helps me do is i'm no longer 
going to crunch at 6 a.m. and waiting an hour for a bench. <laughs> I'm at a private gym um, where just a lot of bodybuilders and people that really push me to work harder. Uh, fun fact, the owner of that gym, his name is Andre. He owns three companies. He's actually going to be on this podcast in a, in a handful of weeks. We haven't finalized that yet. And Dan's making a face because he didn't even know it. Yeah, I'm surprised. Dropping this bomb on you. Yeah. Um, Andre's a good dude. He'll be on this podcast and explaining how he does what he does, why he does what he does. Mm. But having that opportunity has kind of helped with that. Um, I, I'd say that's about. I mean, I've changed my eating to try and be healthier. So, so that's, that, yeah, no prepping. Yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely helped that I'm not eating crap anymore. Yeah. Um, I've pretty much cut Mountain Dew out, which is great. I love Mountain Dew. I love it. So the guy. But, and, I, and I'll actually, I will be the first one to admit that there is a Mountain Dew sitting in my truck. I got one on the way here. So, today's the first day I've slipped up in over a week. That takes time. It's going to take time. First time that I had a Mountain Dew. And I was like, you know what? It's been a long first week at work. I'm cool with it. I deserve it. I've eaten really clean. I really haven't had any sugar. Mm. So, for me, the Mountain Dew is worth it. Besides the stuff that I've already talked about, I mean, there's change going on all around me. My mom and dad both texted me. Uh, yesterday, they both have COVID from a family trip. Everyone else is healthy. They seem like they're doing okay, but, you know, I mean, they're 50s, so they're, it's like one of those demographics. We kind of got to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, nothing too serious to be concerned about. But besides that, I mean, I've got things constantly rolling around, friends reaching out about different businesses. I think I've mentioned my buddy Damien on here yeah. before. Him and I have talked about a couple different pro- possible projects um, including bringing back some old stuff. My brain's been moving at a, at a thousand miles an hour. Um, and, you know, I mean, maybe I need to go back and listen to episode six and just take that, st- that step back that Gabby talked about. Cause right. Sometimes think, you need it. Yeah, I think maybe I'm failing to do that, but I think that it's also the piece of like, I just started a new job. Can I really afford to take a step back? Mm. You know what I mean? Are you- do you feel like you're getting back into like that grind mode, like that go, go, go now that you have the job? Yes Sorry. and no. One second, move my mic. All right, there we go. Sorry about that. I would say yes and no. Um, one of the things is working a nine to five and having worked out beforehand, I'm gassed. I get home at like six. No, that's not true. I get off at 530 usually. I get home at like 615 mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I don't want to move. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tough to come home and have a dog to take care of and then have dishes to take care of mm. and need to change and shower and do a hundred other things mm. and then be like, okay, cool. Now let's think about business. <laughs> so I think that for me, a lot of my downtime has become when I think about businesses and when I think about where can I move this or do this or, you know, whatever the case is, right. it's no longer during my day. Okay. It is the two minutes that I run to the bathroom. And something pops into my head mm. or it's walking to my truck or when I'm driving in my truck, listening to the Stephen Bartlett podcast, I am CEO, you know, my brain's constantly, or honestly, a lot of times in the shower and right when I lay in bed, I will lay in bed and roll around for 30 minutes thinking like I could open a gym. <laughs> I could open a restaurant. I could do this. I could do and It's just like, Oh my God, go to sleep. They do say the shower is where most business people get their, uh, their ideas to start their business. So that's what everyone says. And actually it's funny. I mean, one of the episodes I was listening to from Stephen Bartlett, he makes the comment that it's like, you know, that was a half-assed cough. I'm trying, I'm still recovering <laughs> from a, a head cold from last week. So it's funny that, I mean, you know, Stephen Bartlett, and honestly, a lot of CEOs acknowledge the fact that a lot of their best ideas come on 
when they're walking their dog mm. or when they're showering or just gardening. So when you want to do something business-wise, why is it that you try to make your biggest decisions at a conference table in a room with no windows? <laughs> so the comment is, well, we need to make workplaces, especially for people that are making big, hefty decisions, mm -hmm. these areas need to be more naturalistic and they need to be places where you can relax and not feel stressed out, not feeling like you're trying to make these big decisions, right. just letting the big decisions come to oh, you yeah. and the ideas come to you. Right. Right. So creating like the environment to do that. Like I think a lot of offices have kind of got rid of like the old school, you know, conference desk where you have like a hundred chairs lying around it and they're making it more, you know, lively in a sense where they have like bing bags maybe at some places and you kind of sit in like a relaxing you know setup to where you can just you know just vibe with the other people in the room and kind of come up with ideas so i think like that's kind of changing but i definitely i, I, yeah, I think i think google kind of led the way in that yeah, one yeah, they're, yeah. yeah they've been like that for, for 10 a long 15 time. years yeah, yeah for a long time I mean, did you have any change really drastically going on in your life? Or are you kind of still floating down the same river? Uh, I mean, last year was definitely like that year for me, where it's like maybe one of the toughest years I think I've gone through in life. Just a lot of like things happened from, you know, I started a new job early 2021. And then like a few months later, found out my dog had cancer. So starting a whole chemo process with that. She's, she's fine for she's the record. Doing, yeah, she's doing real good now. Um... And then, like, later on in the year, like, my grandmother died a couple of days before Thanksgiving and before me seeing her. Uh, and then, like, going through, you know, that heartbreak and then, like, relationships ending and whatnot. So, a lot of things happened last year. And I feel like that was my year to kind of sit back and reflect. And then, you know, I learned a lot, too. I mean, the one thing I think with me, I've always had to be, like, in control of situations, especially when it came to, like, life events. Um, and learn like you can only control what you can't control. Like I can't control my grandmother dying or, you know, my dog getting cancer. Um, but it's like how I kind of respond to those different situations, you know, in a sense. Um, and so like being able to let go too is another thing I learned last year. So that was a big one. You did. <laughs> like you're smiling. Why are you smiling? <laughs> I so I'm smiling and this is absolutely horrible. But every time Dan brings up his dog having cancer, I I just. <laughs> Because it was back when Dan was still training with me when I was right. when I was when I had a first tier performance my my personal training company, and he would come in every other Friday every Friday whatever oh, it was, right. and he'd just be like, "Man, <laughs> I gotta pay what was it like four hundred bucks a treatment?" It was a lot, yeah. He was getting railed yeah. by the vet on these on these cancer treatments, and his dog's totally fine now. Right. So it all worked out, and it was all worth it. I mean, your yeah. dog's Bailey's. Four years old, going on five. Oh, she'll be five, yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, it was it was well worth it. Yeah, but it's just I just every time you bring it up, I just remember <laughs> like like six thirty in the morning oh, in a man. garage gym. Yeah, and this dude's just fuming. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a tough. I mean, that was a tough time, and luckily I had you in my life at that point because like I would come in just hot because I would like all right go and train and then have to rush home, take Bailey to her treatment, drop her off. I have to come back, pick her up, and then like get this crazy bill like each like every other Friday. So I'm like, man, this is like BS. Like I'm just over it. But like luckily, like it did work out, and she's doing much better now. So it was definitely worth you know, and just being able to have the finances to kind of go through that process is something I just like you know, I have a lot of gratitude for. Because like if I didn't have the money, then I'm like, well, Bailey, we got to ride this thing out and kind of see where it goes. But yeah. I will say, I mean, you, you hit it very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known you for going on two years. Yeah. 
you know, I, I knew you right before you started the new job, I think is when we met. Right, yeah. And I, I never really saw it affect you too drastically. No, because it's life. Other. Yeah, it's life. Like, you go with the ups and downs. It's like, that's a, I think that's like the good thing about life. And also one of the challenging things about life is that, you know, when, you know, you're going to, when you're having good times, like bad times are going to come and vice versa. So kind of like na- learn how to navigate the two and kind of like just keep, you know, your uh, your mental like the whole time is definitely something I kind of you know. yeah that old adage of like what comes up must come down I mean that you know most people say it about the stock market because what <laughs> for me it's always what comes up must go down and down and down and down and down right, into a bottom job <laughs> and there's nothing left you know but it's that's what, I mean that's the old adage that you know the good things are going to end and the bad things are going to end and right. you know you always kind of find a way to get back to that equilibrium or or homeostasis it it happens it's the it's the world's natural some people are unlucky sure Mm -hmm. but that's why i don't stress too much Mm -hmm. that's why i don't worry about the change in my life when my grandma passed i think i cried at her funeral well i I know i cried at her funeral i think that's the only time i cried i didn't i didn't cry when i got the call and this was two months ago three months ago probably oh yeah and yeah, sometimes I struggle with it. I mean, my her husband, my grandpa, was my best friend in the entire world. He died on my 20th birthday. Mm-hmm. So I have a very strong connection with him. And so knowing that, you know, she's passed away and they were together for 60, 70 years almost. Jeez, oh my God, they were together forever. Yeah. Together forever. Um, I, I think I struggle with that part more than anything. But like mm-hmm. when she passed away, yeah, right away it was like a gut punch because right. we knew it was coming. She was, she's been unwell for a while. She had like multiple organ failure. She was getting up there in age mm-hmm. and there was nothing we could do. Right. We knew it was coming. But when I got the call from my dad, it still was like a sucker punch. Mm-hmm. And I froze and I, I don't even think I cried. I think I just like gasped. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was like, well, there, I mean, what, what am I, what am I going to do? Bring her back? Right. Yeah. You like, go, just, you just go, go give her CPR. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's got to go through that process really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's, and I think that that's kind of a, how do I word this? This that is like the epitome of how I go about life. It's hor I it's horrible that I didn't cry when my grandpa died. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean it is. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean I think that that's how she would have wanted it. Because mm-hmm. I sat there and I was like, okay, woman was eighty something years old. She smoked Look, for yeah. she smoked for forty years. I'm shocked she made it. She had two strokes. I can't believe you made it this long, <laughs> Betty. You know. At, but at the end of the day. I had a fantastic relationship with my grandma right. and I'm so very grateful for it. So when that change took place, mm-hmm. yeah, it was tough, but I knew that what was, first of all, that I couldn't change what happened. Right. And so I could only focus on what was going forward. What was going forward for me was just trying to remember her in the best right. ways possible. Right. Not remembering her when she's sick, but remembering her when she's healthy. Yeah. I really struggled the first time I went home because my grandma moved in with my parents. Mm-hmm. That's where I struggled. Yeah. It was the first time I went home and I was like, oh my God, her chair is gone. And oh my God, uh, then, yeah, it's all home. the stuff's out of her room. Home, yeah. That's what was tough. And I think that that one, like, that was another, like that same feeling, like getting sucker punched in the gut. Right. That one sucked. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think the whole point of that message is change is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Whether that is starting a new job or moving or losing a family member or family members getting sick or having babies. I have a lot of friends Ooh, having babies now. Easy. <laughs> you know, or he, I mean, but he's right. Mm-hmm. Having a kid is a major life change right. or your dog getting cancer. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there are so many unexpected things in life. There's no point to stress about it. Right. You know, I mean, I, 
I could quite literally get hit by a car walking to my truck when we get done. Okay. Am I, am, I, am I well but i'm serious right. you're more likely to get hit walking on the street than you are to die in a lot of different ways that people actually like fret about mm-hmm. and i'm like guys why why would i stress about that when i can just go about life thinking like okay what's going on next can't change what happened what's next right. what's next okay i've never been someone to like stress about the little shit in life you right. know so you keep like a positive outlook i guess when it comes to certain situations to an extent i, I mean i try yeah. to okay yeah sure I, I fall short a good chunk of time of course yeah we all do yeah i mean that's life yeah and i think that that i mean that first of all it kind of wraps up the change topic i think but it mm. really the whole point of talking about change in life leads into the next part of today's conversation which really was meant to be the main point of the conversation mm. um and that is mental health it is men's mental health Month? Month, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is something that Dan and I, I mean, we've talked about a good chunk, actually. Yeah, and, we, yeah. and we touched on a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every episode we touched on. At least a little bit, yeah, yeah. Some way. But for me, it's like I'm a big advocate now, of, especially when it comes to, you know, men's mental health. Because I feel like we're the ones that kind of suffer the most because most men, like, suffer in silence. So it was like, I think... What kind of spawned this idea, too, of having this as a, a topic is, like, you posted a story, and it was, like, stats when it came to, you know, men's mental health. I think, like, suicide was, like, one of the things that were, was mentioned. Um, I think, like, men are, like, four times more likely to commit suicide, and I think it's all because it's, like, like I said, we suffer in silence. So it's, like, um, it's hard for us to be vulnerable or open up, you know, to our friends or our loved ones, you know, just because we think we might look weak or you know, soft in a sense. And I think a lot of it has to do with like society, um, you know, a perspective of what a man should be, you know, you're tough to be like this hard, like no emotions type of person. So like we're human too though. So we still have like those feelings, those emotions. And, you know, I just feel like it's tough at times for men to kind of, you know, voice like what's going on, you know, with them internally. Um, so I wanted to just talk on, you know, men's mental health. And it's tough for everyone. It's tough for men. It's tough for women. Yeah, it's not. It's I mean, it's not just a male thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it affects everyone. It, it absolutely does. But I think that the main reason that we talk about men is because men do... Well, first of all, we're two yeah, men. Yeah, right, right. That's the first part of it. Yep. Men tend to suffer in silence. It is a very... I would almost argue that it's a taboo topic is men's mental health. Everyone says, you know... Oh no, it's okay. You go ahead and talk about it. But then the second a man talks about how he feels right. or what he's struggling with, mm-hmm. oh, you're a bitch. You're right. you're weak. You put down, and yeah. then and then they get left on red or their number is blocked or whatever. Right. And that's what's led to so much mental health crisis. Yeah. There are, and I don't think anyone in the world would argue this. There is a mental health crisis in the country of oh, America. Of course. Um, of course. Uh, you know the amount of suicides, the amount of mental disorders and medications that have to be passed around and whatever. I mean, they're skyrocketing. And I think that a piece of it's that people are willing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And this is horrible, but I'm going to say it. But I also think that the big piece of it is the self-talk into it. What do you mean by that? I I am a big believer. There's a psychological phenomenon known as the self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. And that basically means that when you talk to yourself about something and you tell yourself you are something, mm-hmm. you're more likely to believe it, which means you're more likely to become it. Right. It is the reason that standardized tests no longer ask for your gender. Because a self-fulfilling prophecy, and this was explained to me by a psychology professor in college or a teacher in high school, I can't remember which, 
but the psychology behind it is that a girl, a female, would fill out female on her, you know, her standardized testing, her ISAT, ISATs is Illinois test, so excuse that, her ACT. Mm-hmm. Apparently, statistically, women are generally worse at math than men. So if a person was to put female on their test, self-fulfilling prophecy, they'd immediately say, well, I'm bad at math, and they would do worse because they're a woman. Now, that's an extreme case, right. but that is a case nonetheless. That, yeah, it goes with a lot. Like, even, like, excess self-talk, like, talk, you can talk yourself out of something, like, self-sabotage yourself at times. Or, like, I was, I was just having this conversation with my cousin last week because he was like, man, he was struggling, like, his confidence and whatnot, and I was like... Sometimes I have to remind myself of like how dope I am, you know, because you're so used to like putting yourself down with there's like, you know, working out. I feel like sometimes I'll be like trying to like max out and I won't get up like, man, you're such a little bitch. Like you talk to myself like that. I'm like, who would talk to themselves like that? So it's like now and I try to make it a point like once a day or, you know, however many times a week it may be. I just, you know, sit and I talk to myself. I'm like, yeah, damn, you're. One of the dopest people Your I Your neighbors have to hate you. I, <laughs> could you imagine? I should have one of those microphones to go out and like screaming in the streets, but like I do, I do it on walks too, so it's not like in my apartment. So <laughs> when I'm on walks, like I kind of like talk to myself, and it's all like in my head, so it's not like out loud. Oh, so I thought you were like, it's okay. It's okay, Dan. You're doing a great job, Dan. No. Watch no, out for the dog, Dan. You're doing a good job. No, I'm not that bad, but yeah, you got to remind yourself of how like, you know, amazing you are because it's so easy to talk down to yourself and to talk yourself out of things. So, like, that was kind of touching on what you were kind of going. And I, and the reason I bring that up is I'm a firm believer that there's so many people with quote-unquote anxiety or quote-unquote depression yeah. when they went through a minor issue in life and they just don't know how to handle it. So they tell themselves, oh, I'm anxious or, oh, I'm depressed. And then that just spirals and it leads to more and more. And before they know it, they're on medication. And before they know it, they have more mental because it just leads to more and more issues. When, as opposed to you and I, generally, we tend to take on life. We're like, even if I had a big speaking event, knock on wood, I have to speak in front of 10,000 people, which I don't. And I don't know that I ever want to. (laughs) But in that situation, I'd wake up and be like, holy shit. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous. This is going to suck. Let's go do it. Let's get it over with. Mm. I'm not going to sit there and be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too nervous. I have anxiety. Like, that's not... Right. You find a way. You, you, you find a way. Yeah. You figure it out. And I think that that's... I think a piece of that is sports. I think a piece mm. of that was how I was raised in sports. Right. I could have... I mean, I, I played quarterback, so I could have been under center. And I look across, and there's a 290-pound defensive tackle that's going to go play Division One football at wherever... <laughs> What, what am I going to do? Not play the snap? Like, yeah. no, I'm okay. I'll wait till he comes out yeah. of the game. No. Up, some... <laughs> yeah. You, you figure it out because you have yeah. to. Mm-hmm. I think another piece of that is just outside of sports. It was how I was raised. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I've made this comment before that I've seen my dad cry three or four times probably. Okay. Most of them were deaths. Once was when my grandpa had a pretty bad issue yeah. uh, in the hospital. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, and I think that that also kind of plays into what we're talking about, that, yeah. that men have to bottle stuff up, but right. I think that that kind of raised me to have this sense of toughness. Right, right. Same, same. I, I mean, my dad is from Africa, so he's foreign, so I feel like with foreign men, it's even more like of an issue. I heard my dad, I heard him cry once in my entire life, once, and that was when his brother died, so it was like, I feel like, you know, as men, you tend to, they tend to be like your role model in a sense, like... You tend to mimic what they do, so it was like, you know, I never like cried in front of people or cried, you know, even like cried in general. Like I feel like last year was like the first time I like cried in front of someone, and that first person was like my therapist, and the second person was like one of my best friends. So it was like, 
you know, and that, even then I was like, you know, they're going to think different of me. You know, therapists know, but my friend, I was like, oh, he's going to think I'm soft now. But he was like, I feel like we got even closer from that moment. So it was like, they're not how to be more vulnerable, be more open, you know, tap into the people that you can, you know, be that type of person around. Like, even like with you, I feel like we have a lot of like good, like, you know, in-depth conversations. It's not always, you know sports or or happy-go-lucky shit yeah yeah like like you're open with me and i'm open with you so it's like i feel like having those relationships now are like so key to like you know my well-being and you know growth in a sense um touch on therapy for me i mean that is yeah you don't have to go too into depth i mean obviously the relationship that you have with the therapist is a very personal one the conversations are very personal Mm -hmm. touch on that how has that helped you how has that moved you forward what would you say about therapy to someone that's considering it or thinking about it? Yeah, so therapy for me, I've been doing therapy for a little over a year now. Um, I started because like my friend at the time, she started you know seeing a therapist and I kind of see like the change in her. So I was like, well, damn, maybe I should talk to a therapist. And it's something, especially like with men and even like in the black community is like you think, you know, you're crazy or you have like a mental issue if you have to talk to a therapist. But for me, it's like, I've always dealt or yeah, always dealt with, you know, like overthinking, overthinking to the point um, at night, sometimes I'll have trouble sleeping. Like I wouldn't, I'll be tired physically, but my mind is just racing, racing, racing. And I feel like a lot of people go through that. Like the more I start to talk about it too, like more people like, yeah, I go through the same thing. But it was to the point that I just wasn't sleeping for like a long period of time. Not like good sleep. I'll probably sleep like maybe four or five hours in a night. And so I was like, uh, for my therapist, I kind of, I was in a podcast, I still am, so I just looked up, like, the word um, overthinking, and so, like, my therapist has a podcast, and, like, one of the topics was overthinking, as you kind of mentioned, like, hey, if you want to, you know, book me as a therapist, like, reach out to me here and there, so I just emailed her, and she lives in Colorado, so, like, the time difference was a little, you know, different, and so, like, the first time you're supposed to meet, um, I was on, I think, like, four hours before, I don't know what the time difference is, but... We, um, I, we were on at different hours, so we missed each other. And I was like, well, maybe this is not meant to be. So I was like, all right, I'm just not going to do it. But like a week went past, and I was like, maybe I should really think, like, talk to this therapist. So um, I started talking to her. Like At first, it was like all general information, like trying to get past the whole overthinking um, part of it. But then you start to dive deeper into like you know your childhood traumas, why you are the way you are, how you can kind of navigate through some of those issues. But... It's been so instrumental for me just, you know, developing as a, a person, becoming more like self-aware, you know, to when I do feel triggered at times, I know why now. It's not just because I'm feeling sad or mad. It's like, no, it was because of something happened and that's kind of what triggered the, the certain um, feeling that I have. So for me, it's expensive, but I think of it as, you know, you spending money on clothes is like, or shoes or whatever your vice may be is like, you know, it's, it's worth it to spend the money when it comes to your mental health because it's only going to help you that much more long term. And um, it's something like I do like once a month, sometimes twice a month, if not more, depending on what I got going on. But it's helped me just, like I said, become more self-aware, become, you know, kind of like build like a toolbox of kind of handling certain issues that I have, whether it be, you know, learning how to journal. I know that's one thing you started doing now, uh, meditating, which I mentioned um, just being more mindful, just connecting to, you know, my breath in a sense at times when I do feel triggered. So it's kind of helped me like 
develop this, like I said, toolbox of things I can use to kind of deal with, you know, if I'm overthinking or if anxiety hits or if I'm going through like a very stressful time in my life. What would you say to someone, just a man in particular, or even a woman, uh, considering therapy or considering reaching out to a therapist? It takes time. I would say the, the one thing is it takes time to open up. Um, so don't think like it's going to be like an overnight thing. Like you start to spill all your guts. So maybe you might, but for me, it took me a few months to actually like open up and actually tell her like some of the things I've experienced in life and, you know, kind of work through those. Um, but definitely find, do your research. Um, you might not like the first therapist you talk to. It, it'll t- it's like a relationship. You got to like, fit. it was like dating almost. It's like, uh, this relation, this therapist is cool, but you know, I'm looking for a therapist like this, or maybe someone that, you know, looks like you or sounds like you, whatever the case may be. So I would say do your research, um, see if your insurance covers it. Um, so you don't have to pay too much out of pocket. Um, but definitely anyone that has, you know, this I'll suggest it to anyone, just having someone there to talk to that doesn't have like a bias when it comes to like your opinions or your thoughts, so this can kind of help you navigate through your thoughts is so like beneficial when it comes to, you know, your personal development. Now, like Dan talked about earlier, uh, you know, I had a, I posted something on my, on my Instagram story. It was something from an Instagram page called Fight Through Mental Health. Uh, And the graphic reads this, there are 84 men a week that take their own lives. 75% of all suicides are male. Men are less likely to get help. Mm -hmm. Speak out, talking saves lives. I share stuff like that. Uh, I think a relatively decent amount. Suicide to me is a very important topic. The things like depression is, yeah, obviously leads to suicide, but Things like anxiety and other minor, more minor, I guess you could say, mental issues yeah. aren't as big of, an, of a prevalent issue in my life. Um, suicide is something that has weighed very heavy on me since high school. Um, someone who was essentially an older brother to me, his name was Miles Small. Uh, I wear a 70, for those of you that know me, I wear a 70 necklace around my neck uh, almost 24-7. I rarely ever take it off. Um, was his high school football number. Miles took his life my senior year of high school. Um, the morning of my second round playoff game for my senior year football season, I uh, had to drive out, go to Miles' funeral in the morning, mm. and then go straight from the funeral to uh, the locker room for our game that night. And that is a feeling that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Suicide weighs very, very heavily uh, on me for that reason. Mm. Um, Men don't speak out. Men are more likely to just kind of try to deal with it, like Dan and I why, always talk yeah, why about. Why is it you think we don't speak out as much as, you know, women? Because I think it's exactly what I just talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that you agreed with it, too, was that, like, everyone's, ooh, rah, rah, like, go speak your mind. It's okay to be hurt. Yeah. And then the second you're hurt, it's middle fingers and they're calling you a pussy. Right, right. Where when a woman does it, Generally speaking, I'm not trying to make assumptions here, mm-hmm. but when a woman does it, men are like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll solve your problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And men are like swooping in and they're like, I've got this. I'm glad you said that because I feel like men are always, you know, filling other people's cups in a sense, whether it be like, you know, their wives or kids or, you know, mom, dad, whatever the case may be. So it's like when you fill up everyone's cup, it's like you're drained at the end of the day. And so it's like, 
you don't have anyone like pouring into you. So it's like, um, I feel like that leads to it as well, just being drained, you know, when it comes to life at times. See, so here's what I would say to that is, and I don't think she'll really mind me saying this, and she really doesn't listen anyway. Uh, my girlfriend is an anxious person. I think that mm. I don't, I think she was diagnosed with like minor anxiety, nothing too serious, right. but she gets anxious mm. when she's in certain situations. She struggles to kind of rationalize the situation. Um, and it's not a big deal. She's gotten much, much better. We've worked together a lot on it. She's figured out breathing techniques and different tools, like you said, that can yeah. help her uh, in those situations. She's right. heads and heels about where she was. Uh, what I have, I found myself doing a very similar thing where I would pour in and pour in right. and pour in. Don't worry, I'll help. And I would just, I'd run so low. Mm-hmm. And then she's such a loving human being that she's like, no, 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 don't worry. I will pour everything I've got back into you. Yeah. And, I'd, and I'd stop it and I would shut it down. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're right that men so often are pouring and pouring and pouring and not willing to hold their cup out to get something back. Right. And it's not that they're not willing to get it back. I think that they, they cut it off when someone offers it. Okay. You know, every that. man wants help. Right. right. No man is willing. That's not true. Very few men are willing to take help when it's offered. Mm. And I think that that's where the... It's not that we don't know we need help. It's not even that we don't want help. Mm -hmm. We don't want to accept help. Why? Why is that, you think, then? Because I think that that's what makes us feel weak. Okay. We want help because we know the help helps. We know the help will get us out of the hole. It will make the situation better. It will make us feel better. Mm -hmm. We know we need help. That's clear. I mean, that's evident nationwide. I don't think anyone's going to argue that men need mental help in their mental health. Yeah. And I think that most men would accept that. Mm -hmm. Accept that I need help. Most men would accept I even want help. But when that help becomes public, that's where the the issue is. Right. Help behind closed doors is one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing, seeing a therapist... That's one thing. And I think that even when you started seeing a therapist, I think that you were a lot more hush hush than you are now. I mean, you weren't yeah. hiding it. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, you pretty, you told me pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. So I think we have that relationship, but like some yeah. of my friends are probably hearing this for the first time. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, but, but now you're, you're open. You're like, I don't, I don't care. What are they going to do? Yeah, exactly. And it's so, cause it was like, it's so important because you hear stories of like men taking their lives or, you know, feeling like they have no one to turn to. So I'm like, and me being like in certain positions to where it's like I had like issues with anxiety and you know like overthinking and all that too. So I'm like, if this can help someone, that's all I really care about. So if I'm if I can put myself out there in a sense to let people know like what I've kind of went through the whole journey, the whole process. Like if someone can like, oh man, that's me too. Like I had issues sleeping. Like maybe I should talk to a therapist. So it's like I feel like starting to have those conversations so that it helps people in the same situations. Is all like I really want, you know, out of life and out of telling my story too. And I and I think that that kind of plays into like, like I said, when you first started therapy, you were pretty hush hushed about it. Yeah. Now you're talking about it. you're like, hey, if you need a therapist, I I can recommend a therapist, <laughs> you know. And I think that that goes to show that like, in the beginning. When that help is behind closed doors, when the help is private, that's one thing. Especially when it comes from someone that you really don't know. Right, yeah. You know, I str- even behind closed doors, I struggled with my girlfriend trying to give me help with things. Mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed with, you know, X, Y, or Z, or school, or, 
just cleaning or whatever the shit was for the day, right. I was overwhelmed for it. I didn't want her to help me because I didn't want someone I knew, even behind closed doors, to see me struggle. Uh, so I said, I'm fine. I got it. Don't worry about it. Just right. give me some space. Yeah. I think, like you said, a lot of that has to do with society, too. Like, 100%. There's so much pressure on, I mean, on everyone, but especially for men to have it all figured out. It's like, no, you're a man. Like, you're good. You'll be good. You know, even like going through certain things, maybe it would be like a breakup or, you know, losing your job or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's like, oh, no, you'll be good. Let's keep it moving. You I, know? Think a, I think a piece of it, and I know my dad listens to this, so dad, don't take it the wrong way. I think a piece of it is how my dad and my grandpa were. Okay. I was raised where the man really, it, you take care of the family. That's it. I, I have told you guys since day one, I'm openly a Christian. And that's the thing that I believe is that mm-hmm. the man leads the family, not only in faith, you know, oftentimes in finances and helps to make the decisions. Like the man is the head of the household. Right. And so I think that that's why I always have, and to an extent probably will at least a little bit mm-hmm. struggle with my girlfriend helping me in certain situations because okay. I'm supposed to be the head of the household. Right. I don't need help. I'm the head of the household. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just need to take a step back and be like, I don't need you to drive, but can you just hold the steering wheel and I'll hit the gas? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I think I mentioned it like um, the first and second episode is like, that's what the idea of having like that 50-50 split when it comes to a partner too. So it's like, not that you're giving 50%, she's giving 50%, but it's like, you can't, you know, keep the ball in the air, you know, like 24 hours a day so it's like you need someone to kind of like lean on and be there for support so it's like when you're having a bad day she's there to kind of help you out help you out and vice versa so it's like you need like that 50 50 split i feel like you know for in times that you need help you know there is a quote from an author named mir il don't ask me how to spell it i just phonetically wrote it out Mir Ayel wrote a book called Indistractable, and it's talked about, as you guys could probably guess, on the podcast I listen to the most, uh, Diary of a CEO. And so it's called Indistractable because it's all about procrastination and the psychology behind it, how to get away from it and all that good stuff, and how to really be indistractable. One of the comments that he made, and this has nothing to do with distraction in my mind, I think it has to do with everything else in your life. Mm But one of the comments that Mir Ayel made was, we tend to think that we as people are a society or a, um, that we're a society or a type of people, excuse me, that gravitate towards pleasure. When instead we're actually a society that tries to go away from um, discomfort. Mm. So it's not that we gravitate towards pleasure, we just gravitate away from discomfort. Right, right. And I think that that's one of the things with mental health. I think that, that really weighs in on it. That that's, we're not moving toward... The pleasure would be getting help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The discomfort's the feeling that we're feeling. So how do we get away from it? Mm-hmm. We just don't talk about it. We don't yeah. acknowledge it's there. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. It's everything that comes with it because you're unburying like trauma that's been pent up too so having to like relive certain moments and situations in your life it's just more discomfort it's just more it's more pain but at the same time it's like they always say you got to rip the band-aid off so that's what you're doing when it comes to you know therapy is like you're ripping the band-aid off getting in that deep cut you know getting out everything that can possibly you know keep it there sounds sounds delightful it does it is probably very graphic too (laughs) but it's like like you said it's just i feel like we're so afraid of feeling pain that is like we're we rather, you know, sit in pain and sense if that makes any 
It, no, it does. You, you'd rather sulk in the pain than yeah. do what it takes to get out. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've always considered therapy, but not in the sense that like, oh, I'm depressed. I need therapy. Right. I've been very fortunate that I really haven't had mental health issues. I haven't experienced that. I've been very fortunate in that sense. Yeah. The reason I've always considered a therapy, I read something a while back about a guy that went to therapy. When he sat down with his therapist, the therapist looked at him and said, you've got it all together. You've got a good job. Like, you're not upset. You're not sad or depressed or anxious. Or Why are you here? Right. And the guy looked at his therapist and he said, I don't know who I am. Oh. I've always had a role. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I'm a good son. Mm-hmm. I'm a great employee. I'm a good business owner. I'm a good caretaker for my dog. What am I outside of those roles? Mm. That's why I'm here. And for that sense, I've always thought about going to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, because I've always been a football player. Right. I've always had a job. Mm. And yeah, I'm a good friend, usually. (laughs) You know, I like to think I'm a good business owner and I'm a good dog dad. And I like to think I'm a good boyfriend. Mm. Amongst other titles. Right. But who are you? But who am I? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think from that sense that that's why I've always considered it therapy. And I think mm. therapy is a very valuable tool. Yeah. It doesn't have to be for your mental health necessarily. Mm. It can just be for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good take on it too. I never thought about it that way. But that's, I feel like for a lot of athletes too, it's like they hit that stale point where it's like, you know, maybe, you know, their career ended because of an injury. Like, who are they? You always identify with, you know, your sport. You know, you put so much time and effort into it that... When it ends or is taken away from you in a sense, it's like, well, what do I do now? So I feel like that's definitely a good good way to look at it. And I think that that's everything. the closest I came to a mental health issue is like yeah. my first like three weeks in Tampa, mm-hmm. miserable. Was it? Yeah. For the first time in my life, I wasn't a football player. Mm. Who, you know, for, excuse my French, but who the fuck am I right. at that point? Yeah. I've played football at that point for 14 years. Every time I, every friend that I ever knew was a football player or a friend of a football player or basketball because I also played basketball back then. Right. First time in my life, I couldn't walk up and say, my name is Justin. I play football for X, Y, and Z. Oh, uh, so that's how you would identify? I'm like, it, it's that's all I was. Yeah. I was an athlete. Right. I, I think that that's the closest I ever came to a mental health, mm. not crisis, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like event. Okay. Was that like that first like three weeks in Tampa right. and I was like, I think I just made the biggest mistake in my life. Coming to a place where I know like two people, right? And and as as crazy as this sounds, I mean, I I didn't get help. I stuck it out. Mm. I was like, dude, you're in your head. You're fine. You know, you can't go back. You made this decision. Stick with it. You're okay. I think that I used that self talk method that we talked about. Right. See where it goes. Um, I admittedly buried it. I mean, it never really came back up because I did kind of grow out of it. I yeah. just kind of figured it out. Right. But I used that self-talk method to be like, you're okay. You've got this. Your best friend from high school is here, which he, which he is. He's the reason I moved here. Mm. You know, you're meeting people every day. Right. You know, you're trying to find good jobs, X, Y, and Z. And I think that that positive self-talk kind of helped pull me out of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need more because you can't just like figure it out all the time. You got you to find that happy medium right. where like when I'm past this line, mm-hmm. I need something else. You need yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Where, in your opinion, does mental health play into business? Oh, it's very essential. It's very essential because it's like, 
say if you own your own business, you know, and if something happens, whether, you know, you're hitting cash flow issues. So it's like, that could be stressful. That can keep you up at night. You know, that can cause you... Especially when you grow and you have people to take... You you have people's livelihoods even in your more hands. Than, yeah, even more than... Because you're thinking about not yourself at that point. You're thinking about, you know, your your employees, you know. Um, so I feel like that tends to weigh more on business owners in that sense. And even if it's like, you know, you're trying to grow your business. So it's like, well, how do you grow your business? Like, what new products can you implement? What, you know, whether it be like organically or non-organically, maybe acquire another company. Like, so I feel like mental health and kind of having that be in a good spot as a business owner is like definitely something you need you know you definitely need that because it's like like we said earlier like shit is going to happen so it's like it's inevitable yeah yeah, it's inevitable so it's like learning how to deal with that in a healthy way um goes you know touches on like your mental health so you think it's the stresses of business yeah that are kind of important okay and I I agree with you what do you you think obviously those those stressors are a huge deal I mean that's not only not only in owning a business but it's also you know working it's the stresses of life it's everything when all of the stresses pile up so you're you're working your nine to five and you are running your business and you're in a relationship and Mm -hmm. you know you and your girlfriend get into a fight or your dog is sick and whatever when all of those stresses pile up it affects how you run your business Mm -hmm. It is important to find outlets. For you and me, it's always been working out. You've also picked up meditating, uh, you know, handful of different things. Right. It's important to find, like we talked about in episode two, I think, finding that catharsis for those moments. Yep. Having the ability to say, I need to go work out and I need to move heavy things to get rid of some of this stress. I need to go on a run or I need to sit in the sauna or, you know, Oh, that's, I was going to make a Deshaun Watson joke, but go get a massage and just get the tension out. I'm so sorry. Um, that's my brain's moving at a thousand miles an hour. I'm sorry. But at, I mean, but, but I'm, but I'm serious. It's, you gotta find, uh, <laughs> you gotta find outlets. Not only when you are an employee healthy or ones. Yeah. healthy ones. Yeah, yeah. Not, not massage parlors. Um, not only when you're an employee and not only when you're in a relationship or when something changes, but owning a business, it's the whole reason we do this podcast right. is to talk about what it's like to own a business and mental health plays into that. Like Dan said, every single day, it is so essential. Right. It's just as important as your physical health, if not more, I would say. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. especially for like, knock on wood, people you're like our ages, mm-hmm. you know, or the median of our ages. <laughs> I like how you're trying to put that. It's somewhere in the middle, the average. <laughs> you know, I mean, especially at that, knock on wood, most people aren't having major medical issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of people nowadays are having major mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. It, it's led to a lot of problems across this country. All right. Because kids don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Parents don't know how to react to it. And I also think that there's a piece of it that parents aren't equipping kids to deal with it. Right. So it goes a lot. I think social media plays into oh, it, which definitely. is huge. Yes. is a big thing, especially more so, I think, in the women it's a community. Curse, yeah. um, I don't think that men struggle with it as much. A little Probably. bit maybe with bodybuilders. Yeah. Okay. But I see it big time with women. Meaning like the... High school, high school and middle school girls. Okay. When Kim Kardashian or the Kardashian girls or uh-huh. whoever mm-hmm. posts a picture in a bikini... Yeah. And girls are sitting there like, man, what am I? Like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm garbage. And then it affects their, their mental health from middle school all the way on because they don't know how to deal with it. Hmm. it. 
and, and, and thankfully a lot of them work their way out of it, whether they find the gym or they find therapy or whatever the situation is, right. but social media has played into it and it's, Definitely. and it's only getting worse because there's only more and more social medias right. and kids are on screens more. And I, I think a piece of it's parents just give kids screens and just say, just leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, back when I was a kid, it was, you know, my brother, Tyler and I used to go rake leaves in the backyard and wrestle in them until there were no leaves left. There was, I will never forget the day that Tyler and I were wrestling for like 45 minutes and I had him in chokehold for about 10 of them. Uh, I had to stop because I thought I was going to kill him. So mom and dad, if you're listening, that never happened, but that doesn't happen. No, you don't go outside. No, all the time growing up, me and my friends would have backyard football games. Mm. We would play football games in the cul-de-sac on the asphalt. Tackling? No, oh hell no. (laughs) (laughs) But I... There is not a, when I go home back to Chicago or even down here in Florida mm. or hell, wherever I go, there's no kids. Yeah, They're not outside. outside. No one's playing basketball. There's, there's no basketball there's hoops. There's like playgrounds nowadays. I, I mean, like, yeah. there's no basketball hoops in the middle of cul-de-sacs. There's right. no basketball hoops on garages anymore. Yeah. Kids aren't playing catch with their dads in the backyard. Right. Because they're watching freaking, I don't know, SpongeBob and watching Peppa Pig on their iPad. All right. And you need that break. You need to disconnect sometimes and go out in nature and be with your friends in person. Oh, my like, God. If I can go back to a flip phone and still be a civilized human being, I would in a heartbeat. Or I would go back to having no phone at all. Well, I like, like having some connection. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I can. You know, I, I, could do a, I could do the podcast on a flip phone. No, I still need to do the podcast. I forgot. <laughs> but, like, but, I mean, that's, that's the whole point of it. Mm-hmm. Social media and, you know phones and everything that comes with the internet is great. We are the most connected people in the history of the world. Right. And it's only going to keep going up, but there's so many negative side effects right. to it. And I don't, I don't feel like people touch on that enough. You know, it's always like the glitz and the glamour of being on social media, the content creators, the influencers, you don't see, you know, the, like you said, the little girl that's probably comparing herself to, you know, this, Supermodel that's probably had, you know, plastic surgery, not knowing that's the case, you know, but still thinking that's what she should look like. Or that she's in the bathroom making herself throw up before she gets on a runway so she doesn't look bloated. Exactly. Like like you're constantly comparing yourself, which is, I feel like, the the curse when it comes to social media. And I think that it's becoming more well-known now. I think Mm -hmm. that it's being more talked about, more so Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think that it's that big of an issue with Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, I think, has become more bullying in a weird way of, like... Just people being dicks, honestly. For no reason. Instagram, obviously, is the comparison. Mm-hmm. Facebook is just the weird grandma or, like, distant relative that keeps commenting on your pictures and you don't want her to. like, 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I mean, we joke a lot, and mm-hmm. you and I always have. Right. But mental health isn't, it's, it's not a joke. It's key, yeah. And it's becoming, like, a topic of conversation nowadays. It so is. That's something I appreciate. And like I said, something I will continue to push and, you know kind of advocate for going forward. Absolutely. I, I do think, and you know, you guys don't have to agree with me, but I do think that there is a piece that like, at some point we got to let kids be kids again, mm. take the phones away, let them talk to each other, let yeah. them spit in each other's faces because they need to be dicks and they need to figure out yeah, how to deal how to with do problems. Conflict. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It doesn't happen anymore. No. You can get kicked out of school for saying, for like probably swearing. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if you got expelled at, mm. in today's world. Or you bring a Dr. Seuss book to school and they'll... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's it's that... Because everyone's so afraid of offending somebody mm. that I think that it's 
almost kind of led to this problem. I make the joke a lot, and I'm sorry that I say this, but I've I've told my dad, I'm like, I almost think we need to bring bullying back. And it's okay. it's a really weird sentiment. And I don't mean I don't mean in the sense of like, you know, all oh, the middle linebacker shoving the band geek in his locker again. Okay. I mean like kids screwing around with each other in elementary school when they're like five, six, seven, and they don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because that teaches conflict resolution and it teaches kids to learn how to not only solve the issue, right. but handle it until it's solved. And stick up for yourself, too. And stick up for yourself. Yeah. Kids can't do that anymore. Yeah, they call like their parents or, you know, their grandmother or grandfather, whoever the case may be. And, and, like, it, and at some point, those people aren't around. I'll tell you right now, I'm terrified for the day that my mom and dad aren't around because I still lean on them. Like, a lot. I have questions. My dad's the first person I call. Yeah. But they've given me the... Uh, how do I how do I word this? They give me like the base in the support. Yeah, the framework. Yeah. The framework. That's the word I'm looking for. They give me the framework mm-hmm. to solve those issues. Right. Kids nowadays don't have those, and oh. I think that that's led to more mental health issues. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So their parents solve it for them instead of them having to figure. Yeah. Out my my themselves. kid's being bullied. I'll take care of this. And they shove the kid right. behind them. You're not gonna do this. Yeah. Hell no. My kid gets like dirt kicked in his face. <laughs> so knock on wood. Say I have two kids. The younger kid has dirt kicked in his face. That's great. Go get your older brother. That's how it I'm not solving it. Up. Yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. like, you know, figure it out. Solve your sense. issues. Yeah. Now, granted, when I was a kid, I mean, I was, I was, I was a huge kid, Almost. so I, I never had a problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big guy now, but yeah. I was a massive child. Right. I never had issues. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but at the end, it's like, kid, yeah. you gotta learn. You gotta yeah, somehow. You can't baby them the rest of their lives because then they don't know, know how to deal with, like you said, conflict. No, because those those kids are tomorrow's future. Yeah. The comment I made to my dad is, you know, and actually my girlfriend brought this up, is you look back like, I don't know if I've told you this or not. When you look back like two generations, you don't see the mental health issues that we have now. All right. You look back at like, what would that be, great-grandparents? So look at our great-grandparents, excuse me. Okay. All right. Around that World War II time frame, mm. right? There's an old saying, I think it was from Jay Shetty, I heard it. Okay. Uh, no. Phil... Peterson, something Peterson. Can't think of his name. Psychologist from Canada. I don't think it's his ideology, but he repeats it often. Mm-hmm. Is that hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. So track it all the way back to our great-grandparents. Hard times. World War II, okay. you have bad economies, hard times. Right. Those created strong men in our grandparents. Strong men created good times for our parents. Good times in our parents' generation led to weak men in our generation. Right. And that's not to say that mental health makes you weak. Right. But I think that it has led to an increase in mental health because we don't know how to deal with it. We're not willing to get the help. Right. And, you know, we have this negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And we're... The society, yeah. Everything. Yeah. I think... And it's not... Like I said, it's not to say that mental health makes you weak. Mm-hmm. But it's to say that the culmination of all the things that have led to this point right. cause more mental health issues than we've ever seen in history. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, I think, yeah, that's a good point. And like you said, you're so afraid of what other people might think of you, you know, calling you weak or, you know, a pussy or whatever the case may be. But, um, Brene Brown, I think something Charles touched on too during his episode is that she has a Ted talk about vulnerability and how important it is. So it was like finding, finding the courage to actually express yourself and, tell your partner or friend or family member like how you are actually feeling 
you know, it's courage in that. It's not weakness. So for anyone out there, you know, struggling to open up or, you know, talk about things that they might be going through is like, there's courage in that, you know, don't think it's Absolutely. a weakness, you know. So talk to who you can. There's support groups out there. Um, like I said, therapists, friends, family. Um, Call us. Yeah. Shoot, shoot us a message on Instagram. Right. Either our privates or the or the podcast page. Mm-hmm. Reach out. Yeah, I'm always I'm always ears. I'm the one thing about me is like I'm a listener more than a talker. So if you need someone to just sit and listen, I'm here. I'm here. I'm all about it. So yeah, definitely reach out. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, that was it. I think we hit it all, man. It was a good conversation. I'm glad we touched on, you know, the life changes that you're going through that I kinda experienced and you know, it being Men's mental health, you know. Yeah. Month, this is so. this is a good one. It was, I think it was yeah. needed. Right, it's a little break yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, it's not always about business when it comes to us. So yeah, I like it's life too. Right, it's we got right. yeah, yeah. All right, guys, time for that part of the episode where we talk about three thousand questions about me, where we answer a random question from my big old book of questions. <laughs> question one thousand six hundred and fifty-one: mm-hmm. What gives you butterflies in your stomach? What gives me butterflies? It's actually kind of a good question for what we got right now. Um, I don't know. I'll let you go first. Let me think about it. Butterflies in my stomach. Mm -hmm. I think it's those moments where like, and this is, I I almost said it's weird. I don't think it's weird, but like my dog's not a cuddler. Uh, My dog's a very like, not even seclusive, but she just, she's not a big toucher, which is weird because neither am I, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> but, like, those moments where I'm, like, if I'm sitting down, like, I like playing Madden in my free time. It's kind of how I decompress from life is I sit down and play some Madden. There was a day that my back was hurting, so I actually sat on the floor. My dog came and sat in my lap. My 75-pound dog <laughs> sat in my lap, and I had to wrap my arms around her to continue playing my video game. It's silly i guess and it's she's a 75 pound dog but like those moments where my dog is like nah fuck that you're my person right that's that one gets me Mm -hmm. when when you know yeah my my girlfriend telling me she loves me that's awesome and and it's it's great and all but the moments where my dog who i've raised since she was eight weeks old will walk up and like rub up against me and nudge me and just be like hey motherfucker i love you yeah yeah that unconditional love is nothing, nothing like it Nothing like that. For me, I think what gives me butterflies is, you know, like we touched on, like sometimes when things change in life, you don't necessarily know the outcome. You know, for me, I always had to like figure it out. So there's times where it's like, just learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. It's like, there's times I just sit there, I'm like, well, God take the will because I don't have nothing left. So like those times where it's like- Are those good butterflies? Those are, I think in a sense it is because it's helping me to grow as a person, even though in the moment it might feel uncomfortable and like, like bad butterflies, I guess. But I know eventually it's going to help me, you know, grow as a person. Um, so there's times I just got to know, like this, be comfortable being uncomfortable. So those times I'm like, how do you feel when it works out? Like when those unsure situations yeah. turn into like little golden nuggets in your life, what is yeah. that feeling? It feels amazing because it's like, it is leads me to believe like there is a higher power, you know, having faith and trusting in God because I'm a man of faith as well. It's like just learning that like what's meant for me or is meant to happen is going to happen. You know, and I can't avoid that situation. So it's like when it does work out and God's just like, hey, I told you I got you, man. Got when you, bro. Yeah. And when you're stressing out, 
you know, the whole time, um, definitely, definitely feels good. And I remember, um, I think 50 Cent said it, it was probably like an old proverb, but he was saying, you got to worry or pray. You can't do both. So it doesn't make sense to do both, you know, because you're going, if you're praying for, you know, things to happen and you're still worrying, then it's like, why are you praying? I don't think I've heard that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. So that's something I keep in mind whenever I'm going through like a tough time. I'm like, you know what? I'm just leave it to God or leave it to the universe or whoever you believe in. Um, and kind of, you know, just let it be what it is. Did he just end today's podcast on a 50 cent quote? Mike drop. Mike drop. <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been episode seven of the Small yeah. World Business Podcast. A very meaningful one. It is. Uh, it to is. both Dan and I and hopefully to the rest of you guys. Yeah. So, so thanks a lot. If you haven't already, subscribe. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything else podcast related. Follow us on socials. Reach out. Yeah. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about. Yeah. Um, guests that you guys might have in mind or mm-hmm. people that you know that own small businesses that might be interested in coming on. And, you know, we have figured out that we can do Google Google meetings or oh, yeah. or Zoom. We just got to get Dan's audio better I like know, we always I do. Know. I might get a mic that just connects to my mouth and is talking that. But, yeah, thanks a lot for everyone that's been listening. Um, the stats that you mentioned earlier are definitely amazing. Um, so, We'll continue to pump out good content. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. See you.